Welcome to Slay Church. We are so glad that you're tuning in today and pray that wherever you are, this message will bless you. If this impacts you in any way, we would love to hear about it. Send an email to mystory@slatechurch.com. Hey, why don't you go ahead? You can grab a seat. As you do, why don't you turn to the person you're sitting beside, tell them it's good to see him in church tonight. Let him know. Give him a high five even if you want. Awesome. Hey, we doing well today, church? We doing good? We happy to be here? We excited to be in church this evening? Come on, I'm excited to be here. I'm really looking forward to what God is going to continue to do in our church tonight. It's, uh, it's been a great day in church so far. Um, we had an incredible uh, time in our morning service this morning, and uh, I know it was an amazing service at Elmira as well, at our 11 a.m. in our in Elmira location, and I am really expecting for what God is going to continue to do right now in this 4 p.m. service, and then, by the way, what he's going to continue to do in our Super Bowl parties tonight. You picked a good Sunday to be in church, you know? Super Bowl Sunday, I think that's a pretty good Sunday to be in church. How many people are cheering for Kansas City tonight? Okay, okay. How many people are cheering for San Francisco tonight? Okay. How many people are cheering for chicken wings and nachos tonight? Wow. Hallelujah. How about that? <laughs> Hey, it's going to be an awesome time at our parties. Again, if you're not in one, make sure you join up to talk to someone in the lobby. We would love to get you in a Super Bowl party tonight, okay? Um, hey, I am really excited to be preaching to you tonight. Um, as, you know, David was up here, he was mentioning last week was Vision Sunday for us as a church. And as lead pastors, we had the opportunity to say that our theme for this year as a church is the word bold, where we're going to have bold generosity, as we heard about. We're going to have bold faith. We're going to have bold obedience. We're going to have bold witness this year as a church. And, um, and listen, one of the things that we really want to make sure we are bold in this year is actually when it comes to our relationships. And that's why this week actually marks the beginning of a series that's going to go for a couple of weeks, all about bold relationships. This is all-encompassing relationships. We're talking about friendships. We're going to be talking about relationships you might have with people at work. We're going to be talking about uh, romantic relationships. Oh, a couple people are excited about romantic relationships. It's going to be awesome. We're really excited, and I'm excited to be preaching to you tonight about romantic relationships. Look at your neighbor. Say, ooh, la, la. Let them know. You know, I was able to preach this to our, our morning site today, this message. And listen, if you were here this morning and you already heard this message, um, hey, it's so nice you get to hear it twice. Continue to lean in and continue to take notes. I think that God wants to reveal something new to you. But if you're here for the first time hearing this message, I do want to encourage you as well. Let's lean in. Let's really stir up our faith for what God can say to us even in a message that has to do with relationships. You know, I think that relationships are such a vital thing to talk about in church because we're all talking about them all the time outside of church. It's a good thing that we talk about them in church and see what the Bible has to say when it comes to our relationships. And so to begin tonight, we're going to turn to the book of Matthew. And we're going to read Matthew 6, verse 31 to 34. 
If you don't have a Bible, you can follow along on the screen behind me. I'm going to read, and then we're going to get into the rest of this tonight. Matthew 6, 31 to 34, Jesus is teaching, and he says, So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. If you're taking notes this evening, you can go ahead and you can write down this title for my sermon tonight. You can write down, Waiting, Dating, and Mating. All right? Go ahead, write it down, Waiting, Dating, and Mating. Come on, why don't we pray, and we're going to continue. Jesus, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you that we can come into this place this evening, and we can gather around your name that is above all other names. Father, we just pray that you would guide us tonight. We pray that you would speak through me, Jesus. We just lean in with expectation. We lean in with faith for what you want to say to us tonight. Father, we just pray that we would leave this place just so full of joy, so full of hope, so full of faith, expectant for the future. We love you, Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. You know, it's not easy uh, for me actually to speak to a room as diverse as this one is about relationships. In fact, I can look out right now, and I know that just by doing a quick scan of the crowd, that there are all kinds of different relationships that are represented here. I know that there are people here who are married. I know that there are people here who are uh, thriving in their marriages. I know that there are people here who are struggling in their marriages. I know that there are people here who are dating. I, I see all kinds of different stages that people are in when it comes to their relationships. I also know that some of the people here, you know, maybe you've been married for 20, 30, 40, maybe even 50 years. And, you know, to tell you the truth, I'm not on that level yet. I'm not there. I, my wife, Victoria, and I, uh, this June, we will celebrate eight years married, which has been an amazing eight years. And um, not only that, but actually just a couple weeks ago, we celebrated 10 years of having ever met one another. And uh, it's pretty cool to look back at that. In fact, I remember uh, the first time that we met was in Sydney, Australia at a church service, which is a good place to meet a spouse, by the way. Could happen for you tonight, okay? I'm just saying. And, um, you know, although for some of us 10 years sounds like a long time, for other people you're here and 10 years is like absolutely nothing. In fact, maybe you're here and you're thinking, wait a minute, I'm pretty sure that I've been married longer than this guy's been alive, right? And... You know, it's hard to speak to every single person in this room, but I do believe that God does have a word for all of us, regardless of what uh, our stage is like, regardless of what um, our relationship status is, whether we are waiting, whether we are dating, whether we are mating, wherever you might find yourself, I believe that God wants to speak to you tonight and that he wants to reveal something new to you when it comes to your relationships. You know, I'll never forget the process leading up to the day that Victoria and I got married. I'll never forget that wedding day. Victoria and I, we got married in Sweden, which is where Victoria is from, and it's where we were living at the time. And, you know, there were all kinds of logistics to figure out 
getting married there, and I had all kinds of family flying in from Canada and friends coming from, um, you know, Seattle and friends from other parts of the world, people flying in from all over. And um, I, I just remember it was uh, a lot to figure out at that time. There's a lot of logistics involved. Anybody who's ever planned a wedding, you know that there is a lot of planning to do in order to get it all under control. Thank God I married to somebody who loves planning. She had a whole sheet worked out. It was amazing. She assigned me and delegated to me my role uh, in this process, and my role was show up on the wedding day, okay? And... Um, Oh, come on, I'm kidding, okay? And uh, I also had to get a suit, all right? And uh, I'm very thankful for that, but I just remember that week leading up to the wedding, I was, you know, an airport taxi service. I was going, I was picking up my parents, and then I was picking up my aunts, and I was picking up my grandmas, and I was picking up my friends, and every day I was just going back and forth to the airport. Not only that, I was also playing the role of basically a hotel concierge as I was trying to make sure everybody knew where to sleep and get beds for everybody, and they knew where to go and get people from point A to point B, and, and all of these different kinds of things. I remember it just being, uh, there, there being so much going on. I remember the night, finally, the night right before our wedding, and I'll never forget, again, everybody was just kind of sleeping everywhere. We had to fit people wherever we could. I'll never forget, I was in um, the apartment that Victoria and I were going to be moving into, and, and I was staying there, and I remember sleeping in my bedroom, and my parents were staying in the bedroom with me the night before the wedding. And uh, I, I remember my dad was, you know, sleeping on a cot on the floor at the foot of the bed, and I remember the night before I got married, I shared the bed with my mom. And uh, I know, it's pretty weird, isn't it? Like awkward, looking back, you know, like I shared the bed with my mom that night, and the next night I was sharing the bed with my wife, you know? It was very strange when I, I don't know why we didn't get a hotel. I don't know what's going on here, but uh, hey, we were making it work, putting people wherever we could. And I remember that night, uh, my best friend Stevie and um, Brandon, Pastor Brandon, it, they were it's sleeping in the living room. And these guys, um, you know, they would not stop talking, okay? They were talking and talking. They were jet-lagged. They were just talking. And I got to tell you, I was tired. I was stressed out. I was annoyed, probably because I was sharing the bed with my mom the night before I was getting married. And uh, I was so angry. I was like, these guys have got to stop talking so I can get to sleep. I was so frustrated. Went out, told them to stop talking, knock it off. Went back, finally got to sleep. Next morning, one of the guys who was in our wedding, uh, supposed to sing, he woke up puking, so he wasn't able to do that. And so Victoria's brother stepped in and did that, which was great. And, you know, finally we walked down the aisle. Um, uh, we, we said, I do. The rest of the day went by in a whirlwind. It was crazy. It's hard to even remember. And then we woke up the next day, and we were like, we did it. We survived. We did. High five, you know. How good are we? We got through our wedding. But then very quickly, we realized, what now? <laughs> What's next? You know, and this, I think, happens to a lot of couples who get married. Because so often, uh, we, we put so much focus into the process of getting married, and we don't think about the fact that marriage is about a whole lot more than just planning and executing a wedding day. Marriage is about building a life. And I think this pattern hits us often in our lives when it comes to our relationships. Too often, 
We become so focused and consumed with the feeling of falling in love that we are oblivious to the effort of actually staying in love. And even more than that, Sometimes if we're not careful, we can view our relationships through a distorted lens of what we think they are supposed to give to us. And we become let down when our relationships don't meet our expectations. Sometimes we wrongly look to a relationship to fulfill those areas of our lives where we don't feel fulfilled. And we get disappointed when that other person doesn't seem to complete us the way that we thought they might. And I've talked to so many people, and they've said, you know, I know I would just be happy in life. I know I'll be satisfied if I can just find a boyfriend or if I can just find a girlfriend. And this refrain continues. And, you know, I know that I would be happy in life if I was just married. If I just got married and lived happily ever after, then my life would be complete. And I've seen so many people desperate for a relationship because they believe if they can get that relationship then they will actually be fulfilled. But that's not the way that it works. A relationship cannot and will not ultimately fulfill you. It can bring a level of satisfaction. It can bring happiness. It can bring joy. You bet it can. But after Victoria and I got married, I learned that although she's the love of my life and I value her more than anyone else in the world, I think she's the most beautiful woman inside and out. She is my best friend in every way. I have learned that she can't be my fulfillment, and she isn't my ultimate completion. She isn't my savior. So in this room, whether you're waiting, whether you're dating, whether you're mating, you need to realize today that it is only in Christ that you can find true fulfillment and true completion. You know, here's an interesting question. Um, think about it for just a second. Who would you say in the Bible had the best marriage? You know, just think about it for a minute. Who in the whole Bible had the best marriage? Like, you know, was it Adam and Eve? Like, you know, Adam and Eve, uh, they, they had a pretty good uh, honeymoon in paradise, but that went downhill pretty quick. Uh, I wonder if it was, um, you know, Abraham and Sarah. I don't necessarily think that it was Abraham and Sarah. Abraham lied that Sarah was his sister, not once but twice. And then he impregnated her servant, Hagar. Um, Isaac and Rebecca, you know, they spent their marriage battling because um, uh, he favored Esau and she favored Jacob. And then Jacob, you know, he had children with two wives and two of his wife's servants. David was a disaster as a husband. Solomon was even worse. And when Job's life got hard, Mrs. Job told him to curse God and die. I mean, this is real stuff that's going on. You know, every Disney movie that we watch tells us that life is a difficult adventure until you get married. And then from that point on, you live happily ever after. But nowhere do we see this really in Scripture. And the same is true today. Marriage doesn't save anyone. Only Jesus does that. And the Bible is very open about the flaws and the brokenness of so many marriages and relationships. But how often in churches do couples sit together in agony uh, week after week after week, not having slept together in months, or there's verbal and physical abuse that may be going on, or they have a child who's pregnant and they don't know how to deal with it, or or one of them is secretly an alcoholic, or they're on uh, on the brink of bankruptcy, and they feel like there's nothing they can do 
about it. Today, I want you to know that wherever you are and whatever your situation may be, there is healing and there is revitalization to be had. But it can't come according to your own strength. It has to come through the power of Jesus. And the good news is that we have access to that power through the Holy Spirit living in us. If you're looking for fulfillment in your life, don't look to relationships. Look to God. And today I want to outline a few things that we can do, whatever our stage is, whether, again, we're single, whether we have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, whether we're engaged, whether we're newlyweds, or whether we've been married for years and years. Here are a few things that I think we need to do in order to build flourishing relationships that are Christ-centered, that are moving from strength to strength, and really honoring God in all that we do. And the first thing that we need to do is this. I think we need to focus on becoming. You know, we read at the beginning of this sermon, Jesus said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And I love that the verse tells us to seek God's kingdom and his righteousness. Because I think that a lot of time as humans... Instead of seeking, we spend a lot of time striving. You know, seeking is when we are able to rely on God's strength. But striving is when we try and take things in our own control and make it happen happen according to our own strength. And maybe you're here today and you are not seeking God's kingdom, but instead you are striving for a person. In fact, maybe you're not seeking his righteousness, but you're striving after a relationship status in your life. I just want to encourage you today to stop striving and to start seeking. It'll be a huge weight off your shoulders. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added to you as well. This goes for everybody on the spectrum of relationship, wherever you might find yourself. Just because you're married doesn't mean that it's too late to start seeking Jesus and putting him first in your life and in your marriage. Because the thing is, if you're single and you start to seek after God, You seek first his righteousness. You seek first his kingdom. You build your life firmly upon the foundation of his name. Then when a relationship is added to you, all of a sudden it is added to a place of strength in your life. And you know that first and foremost that your identity is in Christ and is not in another person. This is so important that we're able to do this, when we recognize that we are loved by God, that we're created in his image, that he has a purpose for our lives, that we're chosen by him, that victory is ours in Jesus' name, when we understand that it is God who completes us and not another person, the foundation upon which we build all of our relationships is rock solid. Listen, single people, whether you're, uh, you know, maybe waiting for someone, whether you're not even looking for someone, Whatever you might find yourself, even if you're dating right now, I want you to understand this. Becoming the right person is more important than finding the right person. You know, we often get this backwards. And we think that if we could find the right person, then we would become the right person. And some of you are here and you're waiting for the right person to come along and it's stressing you out. And you're worried about it. And you're saying, I'm never going to find somebody, right? 
oh my goodness, I'm 20 years old. I'm never going to find somebody. I'm never going to get married. I am ancient. I've never even had a boyfriend or a girlfriend. I am like secondhand news at this point. Will I ever get married? I just want to get married. I just want somebody to complete me. I need to be fulfilled through a person, through marriage. I'm just so ready to get married. But we need to be careful that we don't conflate marriage and ready. You know, marriage doesn't equal ready. Getting married doesn't magically make you the person that you want to be. If anything, getting married will reveal everything that you are not. Come on, married couples, can I get an amen? Amen. Listen, God does want you to have the right people in your life. He wants you to have the right spouse. He wants you to have the right friends and the right colleagues. But listen, you're only going to get the right people in your life if you're willing to be the right person in your heart. So instead of striving in this season, why not work on becoming the best that you can be? Become more like Jesus every single day. Instead of striving, start seeking him. And listen, if you want to do this, there is one word that you need to remember if you want to seek after Jesus, if you want to become more like him. And that word is surrender. You know, this is a word that we don't love in a society that glorifies the self, that glorifies our own autonomy. The idea of surrender is not something that we really look at and love the idea of. In fact, if I could tell you one person who doesn't always love the concept of surrender, it's me, okay? It's difficult to surrender. But we need to allow surrender to Christ to be a continual experience in our lives. Paul writes in Romans 12, 1, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. We are called to surrender day by day and moment by moment. And sometimes in the moment, surrender feels like death. But it's the only real way to life. If we want our relationships to flourish and to go from strength to strength, then through surrender, we need to stop striving and we need to start seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness. All right, second way that we can really build bold relationships and thriving relationships on the foundation of Jesus, we need to remember this. We need to build on today. Build on today. There was a journalist, his name was William Zinzer, and his first job was working at the Buffalo News. And as a newbie, one of his first assignments, his first tasks, was to write the obituaries for this newspaper. But Zinzer was frustrated with the assignment. He kept thinking, you know, I could be doing Pulitzer Prize winning investigative journalism. That's what I really want to be doing with my life. I want to be writing the hard hitting pieces. I don't want to be writing the obituaries. I hate doing this. I don't want to be stuck doing this. And one day he worked up the courage to go and ask his editor when he was going to get an assignment that was more important than just writing the obituaries. And his editor sat him down and he said, listen to me right now. Nothing you ever write will be as carefully read as what you're writing right now. You misspell a word, you you mess up a date, and a family will be hurt. But you do justice to someone's grandmother, you honor someone's mom, you will make a life sing, and they will be forever grateful. They will put your words in laminate. 
And things changed in his life after hearing that. Zisner said, I, I pledged I would make extra calls. I would ask extra questions. I would go the extra mile. mile. And Zinsser, he uh, eventually moved on to other kinds of writing. And in fact, he wrote a book on the process of writing. And that book has gone on to sell more than a million copies worldwide today. But none of it would have happened if he had not devoted himself to the obituaries on that day. You know, when you focus on today... Your past can be overcome, and the future can be built. If you want a strong relationship tomorrow, focus on building it today. Perhaps you're here and the thought of the future worries you. Maybe it's something that causes you anxiety. Maybe you get stressed out uh, about what the future might be, or you get a little bit of a panic about what the future might be. It's so unknown that you don't feel like you know how you can process it, and maybe you feel like there's just so many possible paths that you could take, and it's overwhelming, and the future is just something that worries you. And listen, I think that the future can be worrisome, whether you're 20 years old or whether you're 90 years old. I think the future can still be something that is difficult for people to process and manage, and, and if we're not careful, we can get anxiety. Uh, about the future. Maybe you're here and you're worried about what your relationships are going to be like in the future. You're wor worried or you're wondering, will I ever find the right one? Will I ever, uh, you know, get what I'm looking for, what I want? And we worry about it. But we need to look for a moment at what Jesus teaches. As we read earlier, therefore, Jesus says, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. All that worry does is empty today of its strength. When it comes to our relationships, worrying about the future isn't going to get us anywhere. Instead, we need to build on today to get to tomorrow. But if we want to build on today, a lot of times that means that we have to reconcile our past with our present. You know, a lot of relationships are sabotaged before they even begin. Because people bring a whole lot of baggage into the present because of something that happened to them in their past. And it's easy to project trust issues onto somebody because of what somebody may have done to you in your past. And so suddenly, you know, you're in a relationship and you find that it's going pretty well, but all of a sudden your past starts to creep in. And all of a sudden you're saying things like, who's texting you? And not only who's texting you, but from now on, uh, you have to show me every text message that comes in on your phone. Because of uh, a breakdown in trust that you may have had before, is all of a sudden making its way into the present or all of a sudden you find yourself starting to say, you can never hang out with your friends again, okay? You, you can't hang out with them. You can only hang out with me. In fact, I need to go everywhere that you go because I just don't trust you because of something that happened to me in my past. And you bring that past into the present, which is dangerous because it can warp your view of the future and suddenly you don't even know if healthy relationships is an option for you in your life. But if you want a healthy relationship in the future, you've got to heal from your past by dealing with it today. The only way to tomorrow is through today. So what are you doing today to ensure strong relationships tomorrow? Listen, it might mean that you have to have some tough conversations. It might mean that you need to seek out some help, perhaps some professional help through counseling. It might mean that you need to get honest with some people in your life. It might mean that you need to learn how to put others before yourself. You might have to learn how to be generous with your life and actually be generous with your time and be generous with your words 
towards other people. It might mean that you need to actually reevaluate some of the relationships that you currently find yourself in today and ask yourself the question, are these relationships taking me closer to Jesus or are these relationships pulling me away from Jesus? I will tell you one thing right now that is not worth it. It is never worth pursuing a relationship that will pull you away from church. If you think that that's God's best plan for your life, you need to think again. Because I've seen time and time again where somebody finally feels fulfilled in their life because of a relationship. And because of that, they stop coming to church altogether. It is not worth sacrificing your faith on the altar of a boyfriend or a girlfriend. I want you to know that right now. It's not worth it. We need to focus on now and not just next. Married couples, what are you doing today to ensure that your marriage is strong 10 years from now? Uh, are you still taking time for one another? Are you still prioritizing one another? Do you still go on dates together? Do you still laugh together? Do you, uh, you know, talk to each other more than just in passing? Do you say, I love you to one another? There's so much power in that. Do you pray for one another? Do you pray with one another? Do the little things day after day. If you want to have a healthy marriage in 10 years, start today. Dating couples, enjoy the dating process today. Enjoy it. it too often, um, dating couples, you might feel like, uh, you know, after the first date, after the first time you grab a coffee, that you got to be planning out the run sheet for your marriage, and you got to be, you know, booking a venue and hiring a caterer, and you know, you got to figure out how many kids you guys want to have and what color the minivan's going to be, right? Listen, enjoy the dating process today. Don't feel like you need to skip ahead so many years in your future, but actually just enjoy today and build a relationship that honors God. Single people, enjoy being single. There's nothing wrong with being single. There's nothing wrong at all. Too often it's assumed, again, that purpose in life only comes from finding a spouse, which just isn't true. Listen, single does not have to equal lonely. In fact, I know single people who are actually surrounded by thriving, life-giving relationships in their life. They are anything but lonely. They have so many great relationships that they're pouring into day in and day out. And I can tell you married couples who, although they are married, isolate themselves from any other kind of relationship. Enjoy being single. It's okay. You know, waiting doesn't mean that you have to be unfulfilled in this season. If you're single and you're waiting and you're single and you, you want to get married in the future and you're looking for somebody, somebody probably will come along. I want you to know that if it's something that you want to pursue. Uh, but listen, in this season right now, stop worrying so much about it. Instead, think of how you can invest in yourself today, what God is calling you to today. Invest into others. Build healthy relationships in your life today. All right, my next point. Number three, if we want to build healthy relationships is we need to understand that what you magnify, you will multiply in your life. In any relationship, you get to choose what it is that you're going to magnify. You know, isn't it funny that when you first get into a relationship with somebody, it's so easy to magnify all the things that you think are good? Isn't it funny? Like, you know, oh, you, oh she's just such an honest person. You know, I love it. Or... Um, Oh, you know, he's just such a free spirit, you know. 
um, he's an artist, right? And uh, it's amazing. You know, he doesn't have a job. That's okay. You know, he's, he's just finding himself. He's on a journey, you know. And, you know, marry him. It's going to matter, okay? I want you to know. And it's so funny how, you know, early on in a relationship, we just magnify all these things and we make them so amazing and everything is so good and so perfect. But then as time goes on, uh, those things that you used to maybe love so much, now you take them for granted. And really, I think that phrase, take for granted, is the fastest way to stunt the growth of any relationship. Take for granted is the fastest way to fizzle out the passion in a marriage. You know, anybody who's ever bought a house or um, is interested in real estate, you know what, even if you've ever just watched HGTV, uh, you know that the three laws of real estate are location, 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 right? I think in a similar vein, the three laws of relationship is observation, observation, observation. We can build so much strength into our relationships just by noticing. When we truly notice someone else, whether it be a friend, whether it be a boyfriend or girlfriend, whether it be a spouse, it's in that place of self-forgetfulness that our relationships can flourish like never before. We've got to notice the good in the people that we love. And we need to magnify that in their lives because what we magnify, we will multiply. What if when it came to your relationships, you started to build up all the good things you see in that other person? You took some time and you started to just magnify that. You started to encourage that in them. You started to call that out of them in their lives. But what if uh, for some of us, uh, married couples especially, what if instead of focusing sometimes on everything that we're not, what if instead we focus a little bit on some of what we've actually got? You know, Jesus said in Matthew 7, 3, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? You know, I think the real interesting part about this passage is that the only way you're going to see a speck in somebody else's eye is if you get really close to them. And isn't it interesting that it's always the people who we are closest to in life whose specks really start to annoy us? You know, it's easy to uh, just not be annoyed by the speck in the eye of somebody who's kind of at arm's distance from us. But all of a sudden, we get close to somebody. You get really close, and all of a sudden, that little thing just starts to annoy you. And, and, and all of a sudden, you start to build resentment towards that person. And, and all of a sudden, nothing they ever do could possibly be any good. And we start to magnify the specks. Meanwhile, we've got a plank in our own eye that we're not even willing to notice or take out. And, and listen, what would happen if instead of magnifying the specks, what would happen if instead we started to notice and observe the good in people and call it out of people? Now, listen, please hear me correctly. What I am not saying, I am not advocating that you should ignore warning signs that a relationship is unhealthy. That is not what I'm saying at all. In fact, dating couples, um, I'm not saying that you should ignore the warning signs or the red flags that your relationship might be headed uh, towards a place where it should not be going and just try and find some good in the person and allow that good to just be um, all that you see. That's not what I'm trying to say. In fact, I think that when we are in dating relationships, I think that you actually got to put that relationship under a microscope and actually notice every single one of the specs that might be happening in that relationship. And you need to, through discernment, decide, 
is this something that is actually going to grow into something that is really difficult for me to deal with? You know, and don't just settle and say, well, I think I can live with it because forever is a long time. You should know that. And so I'm not trying to say that you should just ignore stuff. I'm not trying to say that if you're in a relationship where there's manipulation that you should ignore that. In fact, if there's a relationship that, uh, you know, your boyfriend or girlfriend is manipulative or there's behavioral issues or there's physical abuse or there's verbal abuse, I think you need to run away from that as fast as you possibly can and don't even look back on that. But what I am saying, uh, and by the way, I also want to say it's a cliche but it's important to say, don't date a project, okay? Don't date somebody with the intention of changing them into what you want them to be. And don't think that marriage is going to fix the issue because it is not going to fix the issue. And married people, don't magnify all the good only to ignore the issues that might be going on in your marriage. Instead, seek help, seek counseling, seek uh, others who want to actually build in and support you. What I am saying here is that you need to make sure that you're not only magnifying everything that you feel your relationship doesn't have based on the definition of what a marriage should be that you saw on Instagram or saw in a movie at one point. Because honestly, if you're here and you've got a healthy relationship, I bet that there's more to it than you even know, that there's more good in that than you even know. What you magnify, you will multiply. Stop focusing on everything that you think your spouse doesn't have. Start magnifying what they do have. Listen, even if that just means the only thing you can find is that, you know, he takes the trash out once a week, okay? <laughs> Start magnifying that in their life and watch as that overflows into other areas of their life as they become motivated in other areas, all because you were magnifying them in that one area. Listen, I'm speaking from experience in this, okay? I just want you to know. You know, even this year, um, this happened to me. I'll never forget, um, earlier on in the winter, it snowed, and I went out, and I, you, you know, I shoveled, I snowblowed the driveway, I got it all cleaned up. I remember coming into the house after, and I'll never forget Victoria telling me, um, hey, you know, thank you. I just appreciate so much um, when you go out, and I don't even have to ask you, and you go out, and you you know, you clear the driveway off, you clear the sidewalk off, and, um, you know, you, same thing in the summer, you mow the lawn, and thank you, I never have to worry about the outside of our house, I, I'm so thankful that you take care of that, um, I really appreciate it, it shows how much you care about me. Come on, let me tell you, I was magnified in that moment, okay? I want you to know right now that ever since she said that to me, uh, every time it's about to snow, about 12 hours before, I can smell it in the air, okay? Like I realize it's going to snow. All of a sudden it snows. You better believe she doesn't ever have to ask me. I'm out there. I got the snowblower in one hand. I got a shovel in my other hand. I got the ice melter in my teeth. I'm shaking it out on the sidewalk as I go. There's going to be no snow on my yard, okay? Like I'm taking the snowblower across the grass, okay? No snow at all. Then I see the grass. I remember she said that she appreciates when I mow the lawn, middle of January. I don't care. I'm firing up that lawn mower. Let's go. Come on. I was magnified. You know, it's funny because just today between services, I was actually out snowblowing, okay? I'm like, I can't wait to get out there. And I'm telling you, Victoria did not hear this message this morning. She was in Elmira. And she posted an Insta story of me out there doing the thing and thanking me for it. Come on, she magnified me, okay? I'm going home. I'm shoveling again tonight. You know, Super Bowl, it can wait. 
But it's amazing how what we magnify, we multiply in our lives. You know, it's amazing how motivated I became uh, to love and serve my wife through really what can only be described as this ministry of the mundane. You know, Mother Teresa said, if you can't do great things, then do little things with great love. And if you can't do them with great love, do them with a little love. And if you can't do them with a little love, do them anyway. <laughs> Start to magnify the people in your life. Encourage people in the name of Jesus. Let them know that they're loved. Let them know that they're valued. Show them that you notice. Observe, 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 and magnify to multiply. And ultimately, if you want a thriving relationship, you need to make sure that you magnify the Lord first and foremost in your relationship. Magnify him through who you are and the way that you love one another. You know, you'll never come second by putting God first. All right, my last point this evening is this. You need to focus on who completes who. You know, this is a point that I think is so key when it comes to our relationships. It's one that I don't think a relationship series should be without. It's one that we're going to revisit, and I one that it's one that I think is really the starting point to understanding how we can build thriving relationships in our lives. It's something that I've spoken about before, and I think it's so important that we get it right. I think it's the culmination of this message today, and I already touched on it at the beginning. Matthew 22, 37 to 39, there was a Pharisee, an expert of the law, who was trying to test Jesus. And he asked Jesus, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Two commandments. The first, love the Lord your God with all your heart, and all your soul, and all your mind. Listen, this is a vertical type of love between us and between God. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is a horizontal love between us and others. Vertical love is us loving God. Horizontal love is us loving one another. And I really believe that you will never get the horizontal right until you get the vertical right. You'll never be able to fully love others until you recognize how loved you are by God. Even though you're broken, even though you're sinful, even though you mess up time and time again, thank God that he still accepts you anyways. I am so thankful for that in my life. And when I get a revelation of God's love at work in my life, it allows me to love other people like never before. Because I know how loved I am by God. I know where my identity truly is in my life. If you want your relationship to thrive, you need to understand that your completion only comes from Christ from the vertical relationship. And when you build your relationships on this foundation, you're building firm, strong relationships that can go the distance. You know, maybe you're here today and you just find yourself time and time again entering into relationships with people, hoping that they will somehow fulfill your needs, hoping that they will somehow complete you. Again, I can't stress this enough. You need to know that only God can complete you. Others can't do it. 
if you're putting someone else at the center of your life, you will never be satisfied. It's time to give God his job back. Stop trying to get fulfillment from your horizontal relationships and realize that you can only find true fulfillment in your vertical relationship. God knows what you need. But not only does God know what you need, unlike every other relationship in your life, God has what you need. And if you knock, the door will be open. And if you seek, you will find. We are complete in Jesus Christ. He wants to, to remind you today that he is your completion. He is your fulfillment. He is your satisfaction. He is the author and he is the finisher of your faith. And I believe that as you draw closer to him, that all of your relationships are going to flourish like never before. Your friendships are going to be stronger than ever be before. Boyfriends and girlfriends are going to be, uh, begin to honor God like never before. Marriages are going to reach new levels of love and influence and example in the name of God. And I really believe that the world is going to take notice and God will be honored and glorified because of the relationships that we build as a church. You know, in a world of broken relationships, I believe that Slay Church will be a place of bold relationships, a refuge of bold relationships, where other places, the status quo is, uh, you know, some stat, whatever it may be, says about relationships being broken. I really believe that as we put God first in our lives and we center our lives around him, that we don't have to live with broken relationships, but we can live with bold relationships where Slate can be a place of encouragement, where it's a place of belonging, where it's a place of relational intimacy, where it's a place that seeks first his kingdom and his righteousness. But if we want that, we need to put God at the center of our lives. We need to get our vertical relationship right. From that, we will get our horizontal relationships right. And I really believe that because of our love for one another, as the Bible says, that because of the way we love others, people will take notice and they will honor God in heaven. Come on, why don't we stand to our feet this evening and close. Thank you for watching. Again, if you were impacted by this message in any way, send an email to mystory@slatechurch.com. You can also visit slatechurch.com and fill out one of our online connect cards. We would love to see you in person at one of our Sunday services. As well, you can stay connected with us by following us at Slate Church on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.